If you are interested in starting your own podcast, we use Buzzsprout because it is simple and easy to use. Buzzsprout can get your show listed on every major platform while giving you the resources for a great podcast website, audio players that can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening to your podcast, and tools to promote your episodes. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and that is why over 100,000 podcasters are already subscribed to Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Following the link in our episode descriptions, let's Buzzsprout know that we sent you. So in return, you will receive a $20 Amazon gift card from Buzzsprout while signing up for a paid plan. Most importantly, every subscription through our link is always appreciated and helps support our show so we can continue delivering the quality content that you guys listen to. That being said, back to the show. Hello and welcome to Comic Book Junkies. I'm Andrew. This is Joe. And this week we're coming at you with Batman the Killing Joke by Alan Moore, Brian Bolland, and Higgins. This is a seminal tale in the, you know, the modern day mythology of the Batman. So this is kind of where, you know, we saw like the darkness kind of creep in with the Dark Knight, Batman Year One, stuff like that. But this kind of takes it to a whole different level. And even though it seems kind of like out of continuity story, it did have lasting impacts on the Batman. But before we get Get ripping in is, is there anything that you wanted to add or do you just want to dive on in joe yeah i was just gonna add that it's a classic creative team it's the same writer that brought us Watchmen and that iconic story that we reviewed for a swamp thing story came out in 1988 it was a one shot which means the whole story is contained in this one issue so it was a little bit of a shorter read but that issue is larger than a book that you would pick up that comes out week to week and so it, this uh is a short and sweet one for those that want to get into comics and like Batman. Yeah. And, you know, with that, let's just kind of get right into it since, you know, like you said, there's not too much story wise really to get into. We can just kind of, you know, get right in. And so it kind of starts off with kind of like a retelling or, you know, an origin story of sorts for the Joker. It kind of goes through how he's like a failed family man and comedian for the most part. And, you know, he's down on his luck in general. And, you know, he kind of gets strong armed into doing some crime. And, you know, he's kind of like a feeble dude, not really ready to to do crime stuff but he actually gets news that his wife and child die and uh he wants to back out of doing crime at this point but the dudes that he you know started getting running with kind of forced him into it they dress him up as the red hood which i don't know how he can see with you know like the hood on and all that and you know that's kind of where his bad day kind of starts and the one bad day is like an overarching theme of this book and it kind of goes across all of the characters oh damn that's the whole story (laughs) (laughs) that ain't the whole story that's just the beginning bro you are right that is one of the biggest themes of the book so i was gonna ask you that at the end but i guess uh while you have it brought up it's one issue what else are we supposed to talk about (laughs) one of the biggest themes in the story was that uh it only takes one bad day to change you whether that means becoming batman or becoming the joker do you think that it really comes down to one bad day no i would say (laughs) obviously one bad day can be traumatic but there's obviously more to that which is why Gordon wasn't broken in this story. And I'll rewind on that in a little bit. But I feel like Gordon was kind of proof in this story that it isn't just one bad day and that Joker's just one messed up dude. Yeah, because I have several all the time and I haven't done anything like any of these guys. (laughs) I was going to say today, day of the recording was one bad day. But you see, I'm still here recording. I'm in good spirits. Yeah, Uh, it just depends on the person. Yeah, for sure. But I guess to take things back, the story starts off and it's 
it's a rainy day and batman's headed to arkham asylum similar to the batman movie that just came out they have no problem just letting batman act like he owns the place so he's marching in there and goes to sit down in joker's cell and uh sits down at his table joker's playing with the deck of cards but batman proceeds to ignore that and talk at him and he tells joker that he uh he has done some thinking about the two of them and uh the most realistic outcome is that they both end up killing each other one day and batman doesn't understand why their relationship has to be so fatal but feels if he doesn't take the opportunity to talk that over with him even just once that he may be able to prevent this situation from just ever happening and batman's quick to get frustrated because joker hasn't said anything to him and it's at this time we see what looks like paint or makeup coming off of joker's hand and so when batman gets a better look at the joker we find out it's just somebody filling in for him and that the joker's on the loose yeah i don't know why batman thinks he could just waltz in there and just reason with the guy who regularly like poisons the city water supply (laughs) you know it's not like you can really talk him into you know being reasonable it's kind of his whole thing is being uh, unreasonable hope for like rehabilitation in this story and uh i don't know why it takes it so long for him to come to that conclusion because you'd figure he'd be a little more frustrated than that at this point but the story turns over to joker and he's buying some property uh specifically an abandoned carnival and the rides have not been maintained in so long that they could kill somebody and so the joker loves the place joker starts to reflect on a time before he was the joker and just trying to make it as a comedian he lived in a terrible apartment with his wife and uh they were three months away from having a baby and so he's embarrassed that he hasn't been a good provider so this is like the most human we've ever seen the joker to this point and as he's had a hard time performing on stage and finding work she assures him that it's okay and that she still loves him so it was cool to see some back background on the character as the Joker's origins have been pretty ambiguous up until this point and uh, most would argue that this is the closest thing to an origin story for the character but this is also the you know most human that we've seen him like I said because like uh, he cares about his wife uh, his baby and wanting to provide like a quality life for them so that being said he snaps out of it tells the realtor that his agents have already forced his agents into signing over the property for free uh, shakes the guy's hand and leaves the dude completely like jokerized and dead so um that kind of sets up everything that he's plotting for batman later down the road and it doesn't even seem like he's plotting for batman with all the other stuff that he ends up doing it's very like an indirect way of getting to batman which is wild Especially the methods at which he goes through things in this story is kind of unprecedented, even though we've seen the Joker be an absolute menace to society and to, you know, members of the Bat family and the GCPD, like, you know, every time he shows up, really, the lengths that he goes to to really make, you know, his point in this story are probably further than that than he's ever really gone. Just this and Jason Todd. And I get to exactly what you're speaking on. The story turns over to Gordon and his daughter. And for those that don't know his daughter's Batgirl and um, Gordon is working on a scrapbook and casually tells Barbara that the Joker has escaped from Arkham again and he gets interrupted because someone's ringing at their doorbell and because Barbara's expecting company she's the one to open up the door but instantly she's shot in the hip and that blows her back and blows out her back apparently too because the man at the gen door is Joker and he's in a Hawaiian t-shirt and the Joker uh, brought some goonies with them so Gordon isn't much of a fun 
fight, but ultimately they decide to knock him out instead of injuring him like they do Barbara. And with the last words that she can get out of her mouth, she asks Joker why he's doing this, which uh, leads us to another one of his like reflections. And in that memory, he's talking to some mobsters about doing a one-time heist so he can afford to take care of his kid and his wife. And he's trying to figure out his career as a comedian. And at that meeting, they tell him that they want to meet up on Friday because they need help breaking into a building that he has access to and also ask him to wear the iconic Red Hood helmet, that long tube looking thing for those that have seen it. And uh, he's definitely (laughs) skeptical, but sees it as like a one time deal. So he feels like he doesn't have any other choice but to agree and uh, help these people for quick cash. But back to Barbara, the guest she was expecting actually found her. So she's now at the hospital. The doctors tell Batman and Gordon or that Gordon was not found. And when they found her, she was undressed. And the only abnormal thing they found in the apartment was a camera lens. And they tell Batman they assume Joker took pictures of her naked and that she is going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. So Batman's pretty pissed. And at this point, asks for some privacy so he can talk to Barbara so he can uh, make out the situation and she's out of it but is able to tell Batman that the Joker has taken her dad and that the Joker does seem different this time around like he's taking things to a new level I'm on a new level he's acting different bro yeah so that's what I'm talking about like he's just I don't know paralyzing people stripping them naked I mean later on I'm pretty sure he strips like Commissioner Gordon down naked too that's the next thing he does yeah it's like why is he he's getting freaky deaky down at the you know he's a weirdo dude He's, he's not only a menace but he's also a pervert But, um, you know, to speak on what you said, how Barbara got paralyzed. So this was major at the time. So, I mean, you know, in matters of representation, there weren't exactly always, you know, handy, capable uh, superheroes. So this was big for, you know, that community. And, you know, also going through that time in Batman, I think even in the Suicide Squad books, that might have been when she officially became the Oracle. Um, But her being paralyzed was the end of her time as the Batgirl and the beginning of her becoming the Oracle. So she's more so the... The woman behind the computer for Batman and kind of the larger DC superhero community at large. A lot of people liked her in that. I wasn't exactly reading at the time and I haven't had been able to read too much of it since. Um, but her time as Oracle is like beloved by a lot of fans. And she even became the leader of the superhero team, the Birds of Prey during that time since, you know, she kind of had all of that information. So while this was only a one shot at the time, it did have lasting impacts on the greater DC continuity, especially around Batman. Um, So that just kind of speaks to the importance of this book. And I just thought that that was kind of cool that, you know, something from this kind of did a ripple effect across Batman moving forward. Good shout out. I didn't even think of that. I could be thinking of something else, but I think I was reading like some of the after thoughts on the book. And I think the artist said that he uh, not only regrets kind of doing like a specific origin story for the Joker, but more specifically regrets like doing that to Barbara. I think that he felt like they took the story too far but i could be thinking of something else but well, i mean that's what happens when you work with like an occultist wizard as a writer so i mean <laughs> it's <laughs> right. par for the course buddy <laughs> yeah, right. uh, but back to the story you're absolutely right we see the joker playing god with gordon he's got these like naked man child minions strip gordon naked and force him to go on one of joker's weird rides and on this ride he makes gordon look at naked pictures of his paralyzed daughter on the floor and trying to make him break or go crazy but make him get a bone
boner. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be like the worst. He's shaking day. and hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's your own daughter, you sicko. Even the Joker's like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I wasn't trying to do all that. <laughs> but uh, while that's going on, we see more of the Joker flashbacks, and in this flashback, he's talking to the guys about finalizing plans to break into that building as Red Hood, and some police officers come to its table, and uh, unfortunately. It has nothing to do with them and everything to do with the Joker because they tell him that there was like an electrical shortage at his apartment or whatever the verbiage is and his wife had passed away. So, you know, he never got to see his baby. And at this point, there's no reason for him to do the heist anymore, but he's kind of stuck because the gangsters, when they find out that the police weren't even there for them, they tell him tough luck and he already signed up and he has to go through with it regardless of his wife dying, but they'll leave him alone after this and he actually does go through with it but everything that could go wrong does go wrong and him and the two mobsters that break into this chemical plant security finds them fairly quickly the guards shoot and kill the mobsters but red hood kind of manages to escape and keep running for safety and it's at this time that batman shows up to the crime scene and takes things over for security so that they don't have to keep shooting but red hood is so afraid of batman catching up to him that he jumps over a ledge into that pool of chemicals and that's when he makes it out and back onto land. But when he removes his helmet, we see the man has officially become the Joker. That's crazy that it didn't just like dissolve him and he just disappeared, but he comes out bleached. (laughs) (laughs) Right? If I get bleach in my t-shirt, I'm going to feel like an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's stupid. That's hilarious. That was a good album, by the way. But uh, I guess back to current time in the book, Batman found the Joker finally uh, where he's hanging out at the carnival and he shows up in the Batmobile running over all these freaks and jumps out of the Batmobile to tackle the Joker. And Joker escapes, but Batman is able to find Gordon and he explains to Batman what happened but stresses to Batman that no matter how crazy the Joker is they have to bring him in by the books he knows the Joker is trying to push them to snap and break the law but Gordon wants Batman to take him in the right way so Batman tells him he's gonna try I would Um, just kill him dude if I was Officer Gordon (laughs) (laughs) right I would too. I mean, this story affects Gordon more than it does Batman. But long story short, Batman catches up to him and he's finally able to tell him what he was trying to tell him at the beginning of the story. And that this is just a recipe for both of them to die one day. Instead of beating the shit out of him like he should have, he offers him (laughs) help and even asks him if he's open to rehab. And the Joker is slightly disappointed that Batman ends up playing things by the book and he couldn't break him or Gordon. And we do see joker and batman let their guard down around each other for the first time ever though it seems like joker appreciates the offer but tells him that although that makes sense it's too late for that and that this situation reminds him of a joke joker proceeds to tell batman the joke and he uh lands the joke so we see batman smile joker seems happy and he that he finally told a good joke and the two start laughing together the story ends with the two laughing together and then there's like a few ambiguous panels later and the story's over so they leave the ending of the story completely open-ended and so it leaves like an opportunity for the reader to determine what happened so the joke was two guys in a lunatic asylum and one night they decide that they don't like living in the asylum anymore 
they decide that they're going to escape. So they get up onto the roof and just across a narrow gap, they see the rooftop of the town stretching away into the moonlight. Now the first guy, he jumps right across with no problem, but his friend will not leap. He's afraid of falling. And so the first guy has an idea. He says, hey, I have a flashlight with me. I'll shine it across the gap between the buildings. You can walk along the beam and join me. But the second guy shakes his head. He says, what do you think I am? crazy you'd turn it off when i'm halfway across and so that's the joke that they're laughing about the killing Uh, joke that being said what do you think the joke meant and what do you think the conclusion to the story is they're both nuts (laughs) that's why they (laughs) cackle like that together even though they fight to the death every week my interpretation since the book is called the killing joke and during the whole story he mentions that there is some like the only relationship they have could only conclude in them both dying so i think he implies that batman may have killed the joker and in that case i wonder if batman would continue being batman or if the police caught up to batman at that time and shot him because they saw him murder the joker because like in those ambiguous panels they flash a light and then it gets like muddled in the water and you see joker laughing to like crying in pain and it looks like batman's choking him so uh because it's called the killing joke you wonder if batman actually did cross that line for the first time nah batman can't that's his whole point but uh you know joker had to probably feel good getting one off for his like prospective boyfriend he's like wow what a great audience (laughs) (laughs) he was so geeked like it's like what if like batman laughing at his joke is what stopped him from doing crime anymore he's like you know what that's all i wanted (laughs) you're right (laughs) it's like just the one compliment dude just thinking my wife my kid i'm good (laughs) yeah i lost everything else like you know you laugh at my joke it was interesting to see batman try to resolve things with the joker as opposed to like just punching him in the face yeah i don't think diplomacy works with the unhinged (laughs) there was this weird part in the story too where joker and batman were like fighting and joker says i don't really know if my memories are real or not and so (laughs) this may not even be like an actual origin (laughs) for the character because that's good making stuff up so that's that's like something interesting to take into account that this could just be one origin for the character because joker basically could have said he just made all this up in his head too exactly he's unreliable and i think that it takes away from the impact of the character if you give him a definitive origin story i think it's good to have multiple you know hopefully they're all good i mean most of them seem to be uh with this being like probably the strongest one but you know i don't want them to nail down like his real name or you know exactly how he came to be i think it's good that it's up in the air because he's the joker he's literally legitimately like a psychopath so i think it's good that it's kind of like we'll never truly know because he's never going to really tell us the truth if he even knows it it keeps the possibilities open for the character for the foreseeable future if you don't tie him to one specific story even though this one's great it's just i like that they kind of kept it open even though this is a origin story for him absolutely that being said do you think it's the best origin for the character so far i mean probably i mean who else is really gonna top like an alan moore one you know like usually i would default to be like well what's his silver age origin or you you know what i mean like what's his first origin that's usually what i go with is it as the best but it's the joker i mean has there ever really been anything more definitive than this i don't think so yeah alan moore was writing some really good stuff at this time because this came out right after Watchmen, and then uh you know boland's a really good artist too so i I like that they kept it short. 
I like that they didn't keep it definitive because that was one of his gripes, I guess, is that that he didn't want an origin for the character. But in the same breath, I think that Alan Moore kind of acknowledged that by saying that the Joker is actually crazy and these flashbacks could just all not be real. And I like that they kept it open ended, too, for sure. Well, what would you rate it? So for this book, um, you know, it's only like a one shot. So it's kind of hard to judge how good it is since it's one self-contained story. But I feel like, you know, Alan Moore, Bolland, you can't really give it less than an 8.0 out of 10 and that's a lot of it is you know like legacy but just the craft of it's great i mean the artwork is phenomenal um it's very expressive and it's very conducive to the writing that alan moore wrote um and then obviously our occultist wizard friend doesn't have a hard time rating good comic books so i feel like it's kind of like a baseline like classic moore is going to be like an eight and above and um i mean this subjective but i mean just the you know the history and you know the influence that this book you know ended up leaving on the batman family um, was immense, even though I kind of like a more jovial Silver Age kind of deal. But, you know, this is a very good crafted book. What do you think? I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. And I may have gave it even a little less before rereading it because I was already familiar with the story, but it just seems so like not saturated, but just whenever you hear of Batman comics, you always hear of the killing joke. But reading it, it still holds up just as strong as people give it credit for. So it's not overrated. It's definitely worth reading if you haven't already. And uh, you could tell if you like it or not, probably by watching the movie as well. My only other question for you would be, where would this stack against the other Batman stuff that we've read so far? Interesting. I was going to ask you something similar as well. That's so hard to say because those are such long form. Some of them have like a lot more filler as opposed to this being very, you know, neatly self-contained and having a lot of, you know, it's all in one story and it's either it's good or it's not. The other book, having like extra issues that are like kind of meh and some that are great it's up there though i think i like hush more i guess you know against like batman r.i.p and stuff like that i feel like this would be like a better read for your time you know all things considered what do you think i would say it probably just edge out batman r.i.p and batman and robin but probably not as good as Hush. It's probably more digestible than Hush. It's iconic for a reason, the art and the writing. There's not too many comic books better than this. It's just so short that it is hard to compare just because Hush was such a long story and this was so short, but bang for buck anger now i got one more follow-up question that you're probably unprepared for here now in terms of influence on the character where would you rank this along with the dark knight and year one which one do you think is like kind of more influential i know we haven't you know reviewed those for the pod but we have read them in the past what do you think i'm just gonna say that those are the three most iconic batman stories but as far as i would rank them i would say the dark knight returns by frank miller that might be my personal favorite. I think it would probably be the least significant of the three uh, stories, but it was personally my favorite. And then I would say the most significant story would probably be year one, then the killing joke. I would say we'll review year one definitely sometime later down the road, but as far as where I stand right now, this might be my second favorite out of those three stories. Gotcha. And I think I'm not too, well, I'm a little far off from you since there's 
there's only three. But I think that I might like year one the best, just because I guess it feels, or to me, it felt like more of a Batman story without it being, you know, going too deep into the mythos or psyche and just kind of keeping it like a base level Batman tale, you know, while kind of giving him a retooled origin of in sorts, especially with it only being like a four issue run. And then I'll probably have to go with this as far as influence and then i might put the dark knight returns at the bottom and that's not slighting the dark knight returns it's just really you know what flavor you want when you're reading a batman story but if you're listening and you're not terribly familiar with batman which i don't know who isn't at this point like joe said those are the best three places to start to see if you like the character since the more modern takes are all based off of that he was quite different prior to then but you know that kind of grim dark characterization that we all know today is kind of uh, derived from these three stories. Alrighty, guys. I'm gonna let it rest in peace. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a short and sweet one. Um, so I'll just, you know, hit you with the reminders, guys. Go to <laughs> get on social media, like, rate, review, do all that crap. We, you know, it's just good for the pod. It's good for all the pods you listen to. Just spread the word. What's good for you is good for us. What's good for us is good. So just, <laughs> just kidding. but you know, you know the deal by now. If not, go back through our back catalog and get to the end of an episode. You'll hear the exact same spiel but with that being said next time we're probably gonna hit you with the topic episode we're gonna leave that as a little bit of a surprise though just to kind of keep you on the edge of your seat um, it open-ended like this story yeah nothing uh it's a little ambiguous you know you can uh, tell us what you think it's gonna be and uh you'll find out next time all right guys thanks for listening to this uh review of batman the killing joke we'll see you next time we appreciate you <laughs>